Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Simple Truths, the podcast of Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. Today, we will dive into God's Word to seek simple truths for everyday life. Let's join Pastor Josh Dixon for today's Simple Truth. Turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to the Gospel of John, John chapter 3. I'll make it easy for you this morning. John chapter 3 in your scriptures. Let's stand together as a body of believers this morning and read from the text in John chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 10 of this text. We know in chapter 3 that Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he says in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do not, that we do know, excuse me, and testify that we have seen and received, you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? It's a great question. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, or eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Somebody ought to say amen to that. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Thank you so much for standing in honor of the reading of God's word. You may be seated this morning. We've been on the mountain. We move today to the New Testament for the first time in several weeks, where we'll only visit two uh, mountains in the New Testament. This is what I would call, and maybe you could liken next week to this as well, if the Lord continues to move in my heart the way that he is, you would liken these two mountains today and possibly next week as the two most important mountains of Scripture itself. There are a lot of high places where Jesus did some pretty high-marking things within the New Testament, but like the Old Testament, they all point toward one rise in the terrain. With an investigative eye from some of our previous mountains, we can very easily see the peak of Calvary. Would you testify to that if you know what Calvary means, the place of the cross? From Mount Moriah, where Abraham offered up his son Isaac, you could easily see in the background the meaning of Calvary. An interesting fact is that Calvary, or Golgotha, is referred to as a hill and not a mountain. Yet it is the highest point of our faith. It is a place that no one wanted to go. Golgotha in Aramaic means or meant the place of the skull. It was a place known as the place of death. It was a place of judgment. It was a place of the cross, the crucifixion. Yet it is a place in which all in our faith need to visit. 
Jesus knew from the beginning of time, because he's God, that Calvary or Golgotha would be the mountaintop experience that all of mankind would need. When we refer to the cross, maybe you wear one around your neck, or maybe you see one passing on the highway, we are referencing the highest point in the world. Mount Calvary far outranks Mount Everest, which is known as the highest physical peak in the fact that from Calvary, you can personally see God. Jesus was never clear about his truth that in this text, his conversation and interaction with, of all people, a Pharisee. We know that the Pharisees, for the most part, did not believe or accept the fact that, that Jesus was the Messiah. They were skeptical they were divisive to the ministry of Christ, and ultimately, they were dead in their faith, except for one particular Pharisee. Jesus called him a ruler of the Jews named Nicodemus. The scripture tells us that he came by night in this text of John chapter 3 to meet Jesus and get some answers to his questions. Now, let me clarify, if you're already doing the math and looking off in the distance here, in this text, we are currently not on a mountain. However, Jesus refers to Calvary in the text. He refers to his real reason for coming. He talks about the Son of God being lifted up, doesn't he? Little did he know that Jesus would take him, Nicodemus that is, to the top of Calvary so that he could, in his faith, see clearly all that everyone needs to see. Within this text, within this chapter, chapter 3, there's one of the most well-known verses. You likely know it by heart. We read it together, verse 16. Notice what this mountaintop provides, Calvary that is, in the way of a view. Number one, from Calvary, we see God's love. Calvary provides a view of God's love that supersedes all of life's challenging challenges and pitfalls. Somebody ought to testify to that. That's a wonderful truth and promise to us. Often you hear folks say, if God is love, or if God is so loving, then why would God allow this particular circumstance to happen. If God is love, or if he loves me so much, why would he allow this to happen in my life? And really, from this mountain, this mountaintop experience of scripture that we're sharing together this morning, from Calvary, you can say, if God is not love, then why would he send his son to the cross for you? We easily see the love of God from Calvary. We understand that it is a gift, the gift of love. Let us be very clear about what Jesus teaches Nicodemus and, and ultimately us in this moment about God. He loves you more than anything. The God of this universe loves you personally more than anything else. And I want to say this. I want to be very careful to say this. He loves you right now more than anything else. Verse 16 says, for God so loved the world. The reason for Jesus, who is God in the flesh, is to manifest the glory, the grace, and the truth of God to us. John chapter 1, if you're in chapter 3, maybe just a page or two that you'd have to turn. John chapter 1 verse 14 gives us a little bit more information on this. 
It says in verse 14 of chapter 1, and the word, notice that it's a capital W, it's speaking of Jesus, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full, notice that please, full of grace and truth. The reason for Jesus is to manifest the glory, the grace, and the truth of God to you and I. He is part of the plan to reveal just how much God personally loves you. God did not send Jesus to be the solution of a sin problem that he did not foresee. God did not realize that he'd made a mistake and his people have now committed sin and so he needed a fix. He needed a solution for that sin problem and so he created Jesus to be the sacrifice for the sin. That is not at all how it worked. He did not send Jesus in the flesh to be the solution of a sin problem that he did not foresee. If you have your Bible open, go with me please to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5. If you know the Romans road, you probably could quote this verse. This is one of my faves. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, please. Gives us a little bit further information concerning this doctrine or belief. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, wow, Christ died for us. Paul here expounds on the fact that the extent of God's love is shown in the fact that Jesus or Christ died for a sinful race. And I think that it's interesting to point out in verse 8 that it says, while we were yet sinners, God gave or commendeth his love toward us. That word commendeth in this verse means to set off or to display Jameson Fawcett Brown, a commentary that I often refer to, said it this way, in glorious contrast to this set off or this display of God's love for us, in glorious contrast with all that men will do for each other. Listen, what he's saying is this, that God's love trumps all other love. Please notice that no one is excluded from the love of God. No one is handicapped in this love, but freely invited to partake and to experience. I want all that's coming to me, amen? Listen, when it comes to the love of God, you can have all that you want. It is specific to you. And Paul is expounding on the fact in Romans chapter 5 that God commended, he set off, he displayed, he is giving his love to us. No one is handicapped. No one is exempt from the love of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 tells us that it is a gift to us. In the Old Testament, Calvary was the focal point of their faith as they looked forward it is the focal point of our faith in our current day, in our current dispensation. It is the focal point of our faith as we look back over our shoulder in faith. The meaning is this, the love of God is meant for all mankind. The depth of his love. The depth of his love cannot be measured until you see the need for his love. 
In Romans chapter 5, if you're still there, look at verse 12, just a little bit deeper in the chapter. In verse 12, it says this, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have, say it out loud, sinned. Verse 12 tells us, or tells the end of the story without acceptance of God's love. Pastor Josh, what is the end of the story minus God's love? It is death by sin. Nothing within you, please hear this, nothing within you demands or deserves God's love. How can you say that, Pastor Josh? That's really a a mean thing to say. No, it's an honest thing to say. Because I, like you, we are all sinners. And without Jesus, without the love of Christ, being shed abroad through his forgiveness in our hearts and lives. Without Jesus, we are stuck in our sin. There is nothing other than the forgiveness of Jesus which can change the reality and damnation of being a sinner. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, you know that verse. It says this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know what that means? That means everyone in the hearing of my voice, whether you're in person or you're through the live stream ministry or you're listening on the radio this morning, everyone in the hearing of my voice, we are all in the same boat. We are sinners. We are flawed. We live in such a flowered, false sense of reality society that mankind today does not see the importance of Calvary's peak. We hear that love is found in tolerance. We are told that love is found in acceptance. We are pressed upon that love is found in redesigning what truth says about lifestyle and mankind. The truth is that Jesus died to give you the power to live beyond the curse of sin. And I'm saying to you this morning that sin is not okay in the eyes of God. He paid the highest price that has ever been paid for you and I to live above and beyond sin. He gave his son. Rather than tolerate, rather than accept, rather than define life and lifestyle, let's live beyond it in the truth and power of the love of God. Calvary, you see, my friend, Calvary is a call to deal directly with sin. God loves you too much for you to stay in sin. If you're here this morning and you are not saved, you have never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, please cut through the fat here. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about living a good life. You can never be good enough. You are a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. God loved you so much that he gave his son for you. Number two, from Calvary, we see the Son of God. It is imperative that while we are up on Calvary, that we recognize only Jesus is the fitting sacrifice for our sin. The Son of God is suitable Jesus is suitable for Calvary. Sin has always demanded an answer. Would you please testify to that? Sin has always demanded an answer. Let me prove that to you. Go to the book of Genesis, please. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. It's in the front of your Bible. It's the first book. Easy find. 
Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. Adam and Eve have now sinned. Verse 11 says, and he said, being God, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Would you please notice, and if you underline or circle in your Bible, I would circle both of those question marks in verse 11 of chapter 3, the book of Genesis. Why? Because God is demanding an answer from Adam and Eve. Something had changed in the garden, and it was the fact that they disobeyed the word of God. They had sinned, and so God is now asking for an answer based upon their sin. Sin always demands an answer. God called upon Adam and Eve to give an answer for their transgression, just like he did with the flood. He called upon the entire world to repent, just like he did with Moses. Moses himself had to repent, just like he did with Achan. Achan lost his life in the Old Testament. Look it up. Study it for yourself. They stoned him. I'm thankful we don't live in the Old Testament, huh? Because of his sin. Jonah. Jonah had to answer for his transgression. That answer, this answer based upon sin, as we see throughout the Old Testament, is only sufficed. It is only sufficed with a blood sacrifice. What does that mean to us today? It means this, that sin is very costly. The problem with the law is that the blood of goats and calves was only temporary. It would have to be offered again and again and again. It was not a permanent or a, here's our word, suitable sacrifice. Jesus, however, reveals in our text of John chapter 3 in verse 16, he reveals, he says this, that God gave his only begotten son. Speaking of our sacrifice for sin. Through God's word, we understand that Jesus is virgin born. I'm saying to you this morning, he is a suitable sacrifice for our sin. That virgin birth makes him exempt from the sin nature being passed through the Father. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 is a great reference if you're keeping notes. Through the scripture, we understand that he is God, his deity. His deity does not allow him to sin while he is in the flesh, while he takes upon flesh. He's God. He is sinless. He's perfect. John chapter 10, verse 30 is a great reference. We also understand that the scriptures that Jesus is eternal. John told us he was, he was a part of creation in chapter 1 of the gospel of John. In the book of Revelation, John also told us that he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. I'm trying to prove to you this morning he is a suitable sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 9, several places in your scripture this morning. It'll help you stay awake. Please join me in Hebrews chapter 9, where we find that Christ is the only suitable sacrifice for our sin. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 Verse 11 says, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in, notice this, once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. 
For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, please notice that, without spot to God, purge your conscience from, from dead works to serve the living God. What is the author of Hebrews telling or reminding or teaching us this morning? He's telling us that Christ is a suitable sacrifice for your sin. The Son of God was submissive, not only suitable, but he was submissive to Calvary. He prayed in the garden in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Listen, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. John chapter 15, verse 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The age-old question, who crucified Jesus? Who killed Jesus? Is answered in these two verses or these two addresses of Scripture. It is answered here, no one killed or crucified Jesus. He laid down his life for you. He was submissive to the cross of Calvary. Up on Calvary, you see a God who is willing to meet you right where you are. Let me say that again to you this morning. Christ is willing to meet you right where you are this morning. If you're here or listening and you have not yet been saved, God loves you so much that he gave his son to meet you in your sin. Some think that they have to get better first. Some think that, that salvation requires some personal effort or requirement. Some folks even think that, that a, a relationship with Christ requires something of religious factor as well. Ephesians chapter 2 explains to us it has nothing to do, salvation has nothing to do with your works, your effort. It's only your acceptance of the gift of salvation. You can't achieve it on your own. Remember what we said earlier? We're sinners with a great need of salvation. I want to say to you, according to the truth of the scripture, there is nothing within you that can earn your salvation. We said it a moment ago, it is a gift and you must receive it for yourself. You don't have to clean yourself up first. You don't have to go through a laundry list of things that you need to get in order before you accept the perfect gift of salvation. You don't have to get rid of some of your sin. By the way, you cannot get rid of it on your own. I've heard people say that before. Well, I'll get saved when I get this part of my life cleaned up or out of my life. No, my friend, that's what salvation is. The forgiveness of Jesus washes away all of your sins. Somebody ought to testify to that, especially those of you that are saved. Some are afraid. They don't want to accept Jesus because they're afraid of the amount of sin that they currently have. No, he died for all of your sin. If you only had one sin, he died to cover that sin. But the reality is this, for all of us, you have way more than one sin. He died for all of it. 2 Corinthians 5.15, be a great reference if you're keeping notes. Some think that their religion, their religion is enough. I've heard people say that. Well, I'm, 
I'm Catholic, I should be okay. I've gone to the church of so-and-so for X amount of years. My grandpa was a Methodist preacher. I think, oh my friend, God is not interested in religion. He's not interested in religious practice. God is interested, and it's why he gave his son for you. He's interested in a personal relationship with you. Well, Pastor Johnson, what are we doing here this morning? Why are you always uh, encouraging us to be back to church and, and be a part of church if this is not a religious activity and practice? No, 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 you're missing it. This is a part of our relationship with Jesus. We're coming here to hear from him to be more like him, to be more separate from the world and for him to change our life a little bit more each and every week. I say to you this morning, he's a suitable sacrifice. Number three from Calvary, and I'll be finished, we see eternity. From this peak, this peak of Calvary, you have an endless view to your life with and through God. Calvary changes your eternal destination. Your decision to believe, uh, your decision of belief can instantly change your direction. Verse 16 of chapter 3, the Gospel of John says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There is likely no better example of this truth than when Jesus was on the cross next to the thief. If you have your Bible open, go with me, please, to the Gospel of Luke. If you're still in Hebrews, let's back up to. Luke, if you're back in our home text, you'll also have to back up a book to Luke. Luke chapter 23. Luke 23, verse 39. Now we literally are on Calvary. Jesus is on the cross. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. You see, he, look up here, he recognized that Jesus was a suitable sacrifice, didn't he? Jesus had done no wrong. He was sinless. He was God. He stated that in verse 40. In verse 42, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him in verse 43, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That very moment, the thief's eternal destination was changed. And please let me clarify, it's not just belief. It is belief, repentance, and acceptance of who Jesus is and what he has done. It's not Jesus and baptism. It's not Jesus and giving in the offering. It's not Jesus and any other, you fill in the blank, religious activity. It is belief, repentance, and acceptance the gift of Jesus Christ. Your Calvary experience is one that you will eternally be thankful for. If you're saved, you ought to say amen to that. It's also a place in which you will frequent wanting others to see and partake of the view on Mount Calvary. Some of us today need to get to the foot of the cross and remember what it stands for. The cross stands for the love of God. It stands for his son, Jesus in our place, let me say that this morning, I've not said it yet, that is your cross. 
Jesus took your place in dying for your sin and remembering that we have, through acceptance, repentance, and belief, we have an eternity to spend with him. Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Thank you for joining us today for Simple Truths. If you would like to accept Christ as your Savior, or if you have questions, please give us a call at 937-383-1122 or check us out on the web at bbcwilmington.org. Simple Truths is a podcast sponsored by Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. We hope you have a great day and may God bless you.